Hi, welcome to the Parenting Bridge podcast. I'm Dr. Michelle Alden, a licensed professional counselor, parent coach, and family therapist. And I'm here to help you to build a bridge to your best family possible. One thing that I would recommend is if you, if there's been things that have been broken, I want you to really think about what you can do to fix things. Like, and, and I want the kids to be a part of that. But I don't think that it's going to work to just tell them like, okay, well, that's going to come out. You're like, you're never going to get an allowance again because you owe us, you know, hundreds of dollars for all the damage that you've done to this house. That's not going to work. Like they're, they're just going to give up. Like I don't get an allowance anyway. Like that's all they're going to get from that. So what I, what you have to really think about is something gets broken and we need to fix it and we need to find a way to fix it, whether it's cleaning it up and they need to be involved in that. I've, I have seen kids break things, make a huge mess. And then as they're cleaning it up and it's not you standing over them while they clean it up, like you've got to be in this together with them because we're teaching something here. We're not just punishing. We're, it's not going to work to punish. We have to have some clear guidelines of what we're going to do. Like if you, if you break something, then here's what's going to happen. And you got to get in there and do that with them. And they, they will be yelling and crying and saying that they're like, I always have to do all of the work. You know, I always have to fix everything. You know, it's, it's like you broke it, right? But just stay calm and be direct and like, yep, that's what we do. We got to fix it. Some things we cannot fix right away and that's okay. But I want to encourage you. I've been in a lot of different homes and, and I think there's a really big difference um, in what I see in ongoing change and behaviors in the home, like even if the kids are destructive, that, that steps are made to fix the things that have been broken or to find ways so that they can't continue to, to break the same things. A lot of bedrooms with wood paneling up so that they can't continue to, to break through the sheetrock, you know, safe, safety about windows um, and locks on, on pantries, locks on master bedrooms, um, cameras, a lot of safety precautions, right? And I feel like there's a huge difference when I see those kind of measures um, versus just living in this place where the constant reminders from years and years of damage are right in front of you and the kids. Like, how can you not feel upset about that every every time? And so, you know, you might want to leave it because you want them to feel what you're feeling, but it's not working that way. Instead, they just, it's like, nobody cares. It just feels like no one cares. And I was thinking about this a lot this week, and um, it reminded me of something I read in a book, I think it was called The Tipping Point. And it was talking about when the crime was really, really high in New York City. And when the mayor came, decided to do something about it. And what he did is he started with the subways. And so they started cleaning up the subways. So all the graffiti was cleaned up and all the subway cars, all the graffiti and everything was cleaned up and when something would happen like oh they also started just doing arrests when people would jump the subway and not pay and so it was like they went after this seemingly little thing and they started um really like setting the bar right like we're not gonna we're no longer going to tolerate this and they if somebody did if the if a car was graffitied it was or or broke you know something broke or was damaged 
they would take it off the line and fix it and not put it back on the line until it was fixed so that every car was basically presentable. And so it started to lower the crime rate in New York City and, and made New York City a safer city, which is was pretty amazing at that time. I think, I don't remember if it was in the 70s or the 80s, but I think it was like in the 80s. And so I, I want to have that same mindset about the stuff that we're, we're not just tolerating this behavior and we're not going to you know, we, it's got to matter to us, but we have to understand, like, it doesn't matter the same way to them because in their mind, I, I really think for the most part, the kids that I work with, it's not like they're planning it out. You know, there are some destructive things that kids do as they're fiddling around. Like I've seen kids put holes in the wall, not from punching or hitting or being angry, but they're just, you know, they find a toothpick or whatever and they start poking it into the couch or that, you know, their way that they fiddle and stuff like that kind of stuff is different than what we're talking about where it's like this, you know, aggression type type stuff. So so I want to encourage you to set the rules with clear consequences that tie in ahead of time. So if this happens, then this is what we're going to do. And it's not to hold it over them because in that moment, like, I don't know how much buy-in you're going to get, but you got to have those written down and know what you're going to do. So, you know, it's kind of, and it can even be about good things. If you get your room cleaner, you get your you know, your morning routine done, you know, by this time, then this is what's going to happen. You're going to get to have, you know, hot cocoa in the morning, you know, and I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but, you know, um, so, you know, just kind of think about like, if this happens, then this happens, if this happens, then this happens. Um, and then again, I want to encourage you, like, if, if that's, if you need to do some preventative work, then do that. You know, like I said, it's it's just a really big difference in what I see in moving forward with kids if we're not dealing with the damage of years and years. So fix fix what you can. I know that not everything can be fixed, but some things can be covered or, you know, and they can have a, a part in that. Like, I just think even though it's their bedroom and they're the ones being destructive in their bedrooms, I don't think they should live in their room with a bunch of holes in the wall. Doors taken off, maybe. <laughs> See a lot of destroyed doors, but and windows that have to be be covered for safety reasons. Um, when you have kids that will will break glass, um, some some kids can't handle having a dresser because they're going to throw you know knock it down. But I've had other families that will. Um, screw the dresser into the into the wall um limit what they have in there that they can they can throw um and uh and especially what they can throw at you <laughs> we got hit with a book this last week so um you know watch that that kind of stuff from what you're what you're you're kind of it's like <laughs> sounds really bad but it's kind of like puppy training right like if you let your puppy run around the house chew on everything um and then you just decide, like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, I'll just let him chew on the house because it's already, you know, he's already chewed on that spot. Then he's not, not going to learn what he can and what he cannot do. Um, and and so you want to, you're going to have things that he can chew and things he can't chew. You're going to have things. And that needs to be decided ahead of time. You know, if this happens, this is what we're going to do. And that even has to do with calling the police. If that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. The kids have to have a stop sign. They have to know that this is no longer acceptable. And when you call the police, they're going to come out and they're going to talk to them and they're going to tell them these things and they're going to try to like scare them into it. Like, oh, you know, like if you keep doing this, then you're going to go to juvie, blah, blah, blah. I don't know that that's really that effective for kids 
But you may have to decide, like, if we call the police three times on the third time, we're having them go in. And it's not that it's so effective for them to go to detention or that the kids are going to remember in the next moment when they're upset that, oh, no, I might go to detention. It's that there has to be something that happens. We cannot just continue to let it happen. And and you have to think about it in terms of, like, you're not teaching a lesson, right? You're like, you're like solving a problem. Think about what you would want to happen if it was your neighbor kid. If it was your neighbor kid coming over and doing this stuff, you know, what, what would you want to do? So sometimes with the police, it's just creating a paper trail. It creates safety. It's can, um, usually when they're enraged or escalated to the, to the point that it's like happening all the time, like you really need that police involvement because for safety reasons, like in, um, so yeah, think about what you would do if it was a neighbor's kid. At what point would you consider it dangerous and, and damaging and realize that your kids are getting bigger and stronger? So if we didn't stop it, we couldn't stop it at two, we can't stop it at six, you know, now they're 10 or 13, you know, where is that stop sign? It's, and this is really tricky because with juveniles, like they're going to, if, you know, even if they end up, even if you end up charging them, um, they're going to come back to your home. So you got to be really consistent about it. when this happens, this is what we're doing. Don't, you know, if they're already enraged and then you're playing around with like, you know, calm down or I'm going to call the police. It's like, no, it's they've, they, they've already reached that point and know where that point is, where you're going to make that call. And I think it's really important to have that written down, the kids to know that you mean what you're going to say. I'm going to continue to get more information about like kids with autism and like, I don't, feel like detention necessarily teaches them a lesson. I think we have to move away from that thinking that we're going to teach them a lesson. What we're doing is we're creating a stop sign. And it has to be very, very clear. Um, Another thing that I found that's really helped, so, you know, using those visual cues wherever you can, um, preventative measures, setting expectations ahead of time so that it's an agreement. We're going to, I have to do this when we play games sometimes with kids because, um, they get really mad when they lose. Like these are kids that don't handle losing. They can be super mean when they play a game, you know, with their peers, with you. Um, they they don't they don't care about if you lose, right? <laughs> it's only if they lose. And they might not even be losing. Like they may just perceive that they're losing in the game and then they don't want to play anymore. So we gotta help them learn how to play and use game time to not teach the the mental stuff about the game, like the organ, you know, like some games are more designed to like help them, right, with their thinking, but this is about teaching them. There's behaviors that we learn, social cues and, and social things that we learn in playing a game. That's why we do it. Not so much that they get better at math or that they, they get, you know, more strategic in their thinking. You know, it's that's an added benefit of playing the game. But really what we're working with these kids on is is how do you win? How do you lose? How do you be kind? How do you take turns? And then working on directions, games that build up memories, you know, games that have steps. It's one of the reasons why Skippo has been like a standby game, you know, for for a long time that I've used. Now there's a lot of games that have steps, but every time we play Skippo, it's like the first thing you do is get, make sure you have five cards. The second, you know, second thing you do is check and make sure you can use this pile, you know, so it's like has steps, right? There's there's this action, this action, and and then the final action, you know, that when you're done, you discard. And so 
And then, you know, then, and you'll notice like, they never notice when someone else discards, like even when they're waiting for their turn, but then it's like, oh, is it my turn? <laughs> so it's like teaching them like when they discard, then it's your turn. So it's like you're teaching them this thought process, which is part of thinking and planning and you're teaching them responses, you know? And so even when they're, you know, like impatient and be like, why are you taking so long or whatever? It's like, no, no, like we waited for you. They get to finish playing, you know? They're thinking, you know, so it's teaching a lot of things in that, and that's why we're doing it. I think playing games that include having directions, I think is important for them to play Simon Says, um, Red Light, Green Light, um, you know, uh, Freeze, you know, things like that. Um, I find that it's better if you are directing those things um, rather than the kids. They want to be Simon, right, but they don't they don't really know how to give good directions and they don't really know how to follow follow them so so do i i have done some games with kids where they're we do follow the leader but they need a good amount of time of like being the follower and then and then you can switch and have one of them be the leader and then have an adult be the leader again and then have another kid be the leader so some things like that where they have to kind of mimic and follow really good for their brain really good for this development so they're not just reactionary all of these things like get them out of that reactionary part of their brain and um, that's why i think some games that are more reactionary like um the one that came to my mind is like slapjack or you know something that's really fast like it has its place but you just have to be careful because it's still like very very quick and i want to slow them down because that's what we need them to do in their emotions right it's like they get mad so fast and then they react so fast and we want to slow things down. And some of your kids, like, they're going to really struggle with that. They can't even slow down enough to take, like, a normal bite, chew their food, take another bite, chew their food. Like, you know, it's like they're either, they're just off, right? They're, they, they, they don't know how to do that. So don't be afraid that you have to keep teaching that. Also set the expectations, like, with physical games. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to play tetherball, but, um, if you do, you know, here's how we're going to play. Our goal is to, you know, hit the, each of us to get to hit the ball three times, you know, and so set up, set in basketball, whatever it is, like set up the parameters of what you want them to do. And those parameters should be the main focus of the, of the game rather than who wins or loses. It's like, you know, we're going to make sure that you pass, like when we play basketball, like we're going to make sure that, that you have to pass the ball at least three times before you shoot the basket you know things like that that make them have to like pause and do those things it's so good for them like they need that but they need someone to teach it because they're not going to learn this on the playground and they're and at their ages like that you know most people think they've already know how to play but they don't like they don't even know how to play you know with their toys by themselves and play you know in a way that's like constructive you know and positive um, so set up those expectations and keep in mind, like, if this happens, then this is what's going to happen. And it's not about, you know, remember last time when you did this and then you got mad and then we couldn't finish and then, you know, all this stuff happened. Like, no, 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 just for this time, like, we're not carrying anything over. Um, we're just dealing with this time. This is how we're going to do it this time because this is this is how we're going to do it, you know. Um, don't try to appeal to their emotions with speeches be black and white and don't negotiate. Um, so that's really important because I think that a lot of times I'll see kids that it's like they 
And when they know you're serious, then they start to like, oh, no, no, I'm calm. I, you know, I don't need to do a complex fiber. I don't need this. It's like, no, if you already said that if you cannot sit here and eat your food calmly without poking your sister or whatever, then we're going to, we're going to take a break, sit for a few minutes, and then we'll try again. Don't, it doesn't matter that they're now there's no, 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 now I don't want to, right? It's still coming from that impulsiveness in their brain, right? They're reacting now to the consequence. They already made the choice. So now we're going to go do this. Um, so be black and white, you know, problem, problem solving is going to happen beforehand or much later, not in the moment and not even right after the moment, like right after the moment, our goal is to now move from that to a better place. So once we've done a comp plus five, we need to either finish the task or move move forward into whatever it is we're, we're going to do and not go back and try to rehash what happened, why we had to do a comp plus five. And, and I didn't like it in the comp plus five when you said this and that wasn't true. And, you know, all these kind of things. It's like, you know, it's just like, okay, we're, we're okay now. Good. You ready to move on? Yes. Okay, let's go. Um, remember, you're not teaching a lesson. You're helping to solve problems. You got to teach these kids how to solve problems. They got to slow their brains down enough to solve problems. Um, in calm moments, you can discuss what they can do when they're upset and frustrated. In the moment when they remember that mountain of escalation, however high they are, you've got to really decide whether it's going to be like you can sometimes if kids are not too high, you can give them that limited choice, right? Like, are we going to be able to finish this can you, can you pull yourself together and finish this game or do we need to take a break? And then if they get really, start to get really escalated, we don't want to wait till they are totally at the top of it as they start to get more, like now they're not able to take a break. Like they're yelling at you like, I am calm. I don't need a break. It's like, you know what? We're just going to sit. And I would start as easy as possible. Like if you're out playing basketball and somebody's getting upset, it's like, let's just stop. And then they're going to get upset if you if the, if you're taking it away forever, right? So it's like let's just take a minute. I want to keep playing. It's like no, let's just stop handing the ball. Let's just wait. You know, just stand with them for a minute. And as soon as they, it's like okay, I want to play this game with you. Let's try again. Remember, everybody makes mistakes, you know, and go on. Because I have kids that get explosive because they drop the ball. And then it's like your fault because you didn't throw it right or they don't throw the ball right and they're mad at themselves. So, you know, it's it's there's plenty of things in this world to be mad about. <laughs> so taking a break, but don't you don't have to punish. You don't have to say, you know, because you got mad, like we're not going to play anymore. It's like we're going to take a break and then we're going to try again. We want to give them that ability to enter back in and not totally flip. If you if you say, you know, like it's over, you know, get another chance, they are going to flip their lid. Then they're going to go in the house and do something, you know. So really work on that, taking a break, slowing things down. It's okay. It's like, wait a minute, looks like you're getting upset. Are we going to be able to finish or not? You know, again, just keeping in mind that destroying property is not acceptable. I think most of the kids I work with are 10 or over. This just cannot continue. Not in your home, uh, not in the rest of the world either. It's, you know, so... Frustration is not an excuse. We gotta help our kids figure out what to do with their frustration. And there's no excuse for abuse, for verbal or physical. So if kid, if they're, you know, calling names, um, when they're in, okay, here's all I'll say it's when they're in containment, 
and they're mad and they're but they're calming down so whether they're in their room and they're kind of talking around like i'm not worried about that but when they are just saying mean things to their their brother or whatever it's like we're that's just not okay it's just no thank you not not all right we can't just keep tolerating it right and i'm not saying that you guys are like i know that most of the parents i work with have tried for years to get it to stop and then it's like you just reach a place where you just want to give up you know if they break their own things and they're not going to have it we're not going to have a bunch of broken things around we're going to clean it up and it's gone so if they you know a lot of teens that will you know throw their phone down and break it it's like look we're we're not have to fix it they don't they don't have to have that i don't like kids to if they tear their clothes or or break things that i just don't think it's a it's valuable. I think it teaches, I don't think it teaches the right thing. Well, because this got broken or ripped or torn, now you have to wear that. It's just, it just doesn't send the right message or now you have to live with that. It's like, no, we want to teach them that we're going to fix it and that we're going to stop making these mistakes because we don't want to have to keep fixing it. So it doesn't mean that you have to buy them new clothes. It just means like they may only have a couple of pairs of pants to wear that haven't been torn. And it may be that they only get secondhand clothes and they don't get new new clothes, but they they're they can't walk around in things that are, you know, also not helping them as a person. It's, it, this is not coming from a place of like teaching a lesson. We we can't hold it over. Um, make them pay for things is only gonna work if they have a tie to money, then it might work. Like but you gotta kinda keep it short, right? Like it's like I would rather have them do a job because they broke something and the money from doing that job is immediately going to go to fixing it in, in, in that same time period. So it's like, hey, since you broke this, I'm, I'm, we're going to need to go do this. And instead of paying you, we're going to fix this instead. So it's got to be really closely tied to what happened. It can't be like last summer. Remember I told you last summer that because you broke this, that this summer you're going to have to get a job and pay for that, you know, or, you know, we're going to take your allowance for six months to pay for that. It's like, it's got to be, I would have them do something in the, in the, in the moment if they're, if they're even flexible enough to do that. Um, otherwise you're looking at ways to get them involved in like fixing it. Um, and it may be that they have, you have to do something without on something else. It's like, you know, it'd be great if we had, we're going to use, we're going to take lunches or we're going to do this instead of going out to eat because we got to fix these things in our house first. I have some parents that are really worried sometimes about having to call the police and um, if their child is, you know, going to be poorly influenced by detention, things like that. You know, and I just, I just want you to consider this, you know, how do you think that your neighbor would respond to your child? if they exhibited the same level of property damage at, at their home. You know, so think about what you're turning loose into society, right? Um, the kid that is really, that I work with, that's pretty aggressive in all of his relationships. Like he doesn't really treat anybody very well. And he, he's very short-fused, very, very aggressive, and just really struggles with a lot of different things. Um, well, I don't know that he's necessarily struggling with it. He just reacts it. Everybody else is struggling with it. And we were just talking about like, how does that work as he as he grows up and has other relationships? Like we have to help him learn how to do these things or this is the problem. Like it's not, I think it's part of being human and learning in society. So 
Um, even if they feel terrible afterwards, then we still need to deal with it too, right? Some kids, some kids have remorse. Some kids don't. Most most of the kids I work with don't have a lot of remorse. It's almost like they don't even aren't even really able to acknowledge like what they did. And sometimes sometimes they're they're so out of their minds when things happen. I don't think they really do. Um, so it's not about just covering it up and cleaning up after them. I think it's really important to like, hey, let's what can we do to fix this? And then they might tell you, like, I'm sorry or, you know, or feel really bad about it. I have kind of a mix. Some kids do feel really bad. Um, shame is not good. It's not good for them. It's not going to help. So we got to we gotta be like, you know, it's it's okay. It's, it, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say it's okay. It's like this, yeah, it's pretty bad to break stuff. But I care about you and you're going to help. We're going to help you. We're going to get better. We're going to keep working on this. Keep your emotions in check. I know it's a personal violation. And so you're holding them accountable, but have a consequence for their action. But we are, we can't be mean about it. And again, like you can't hold it over for very long. Like it's just, it's got to be kind of one and done. We're trying to teach the kids that it's one and done. Like we move forward. We got it. We got to be able to do that too. And that's, I know that's really hard. So, um, you know, um, do what you need to do for your mental health and your emotional health and like working through those things. And I think part of like fixing things is actually helpful for that and, and finding ways to, to make it so it doesn't keep getting broken. I think is, I think I've seen more stability in that with, with families when, than when it's like, oh no, another thing just got broken. The same thing that we just, you know, fixed, that's harder. If you keep fixing things in the, on the wall and then they keep breaking it, we got to find some ways to come around it a little differently. I really believe love and respect is holding them responsible for their behaviors with healthy limits and boundaries. So again, you're going to need some extra structure. If this is how your kid is, if this is what keeps happening, like you cannot think that they just know better and that they're just going to know better and that someday it's, you know, someday they'll figure it out. It's like, no, like, they have something wrong in their brains and they have to have some help. So look at the medication. Don't ignore what's going on. It's not going to go away. Teach, structure, patience. They need that. It's, it's like guidance. It's like scaffolding, right? And so, you know, catching it as early as possible, working on that structure, um, watching, helping them maneuver through those lo lower emotions when they have them, um, if they have them. I'm telling you, some kids don't. And so, you know, like, that's what I'm saying. If they're able to tell you, like, what they're upset about, that is huge. It's huge. Don't ignore that, um, even if you don't like the way they told you. I hope that you guys um able to use some good tools from this video, and, and I'm sure it'll spark some more questions. So we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to The Parenting Bridge. Do you want to learn more about building a bridge to better behaviors? Pick up a copy of Dr. Michelle Alden's new book, Parenting Emotionally Distressed Kids. Or for more resources, you can click on the link for Healthy Foundations. If you would like to leave a comment or a question for Dr. Alden, there's a link in the notes. We'll see you next time. And remember, things can always get better.